0: All right, how we doing? We doing well? Good, man. A lot of good stuff going on. Uh one, man, I- Incredible worship, uh, both locations, man, just unbelievable. And then God is doing a lot in both locations. One that we just showed you there, just a very quick Jasper update, because um, a lot of you may not know, uh, you weren't here back in 2017 when we launched our Multiply initiative. And Multiply is simply the vision of our church. And so I'm gonna just kind of break it down quickly for you. The vision of our church is to be a multiplying church. We say that as a level five church. We want to start things that start things, add things that add things so that we see multiplication happen. And that begins ultimately by multiplying our mission, which our mission is to make disciples. And so if you wanna know what multiply is about, it's about our mission of making disciples. That's a lot of M's there, and I'm so proud of that because I like alliteration, all right? But making disciples is just how we say, or what we say for that is love Jesus, grow people. So that's the mission of our church in making disciples because that's what Jesus told us. And multiply is simply about multiplying that, about taking that process elsewhere as we multiply disciples, groups, teams, campuses, and new churches. And so that has been happening by God's grace. And we launched out a new campus in 2017 in Jasper in Pickens County, which is just north of us. And the reason being is because we had quite a bit of our church, 15 to, or, or so, 20% that were driving down. And so we moved them there. We launched them out, sent them to Pickens County to reach more people. And by God's grace, that's been happening. Last year alone, 2018, we saw over a right at a hundred people trust Christ at our Jasper location. And so, yeah, it's incredible. Um, So they're meeting, uh, I say that we are meeting at Pickens County High School um, there in Jasper just to get it off the ground. We've been meeting there every weekend for a year and a half now. And then at the start of Multiply, we also bought land, paid cash for it by your generosity, and then we've been in the process of building a building, and anytime we build things around here, if you've been here with us, you know that it just, it's like all hell breaks loose, and it always takes longer than what we thought, but God in his kindness and graciousness to us, uh, the building process is on, and we had a delay for a while, and part of that was just getting things right with the city, and part of that was rain, we thought about just, you know, taking the steel and building an ark instead of a building, just to survive all the flooding, but by God's grace, now it's going up, and so we wanted to show you that, but also just of some real quick clips. I wanna show you a couple more clips just in case you didn't see it or weren't paying attention, let's be honest, during church news. So here's a couple more clips of our Jasper building, the steel that's going up. This is actually the front of the facility here, so there'll be a whole front that's uh, on that, and this is where you will come into the lobby on both sides, the taller part's the auditorium, the other part there on the side is the kids' building, and so those two both will have the front of the building there, And then from the backside of it, you'll see into, that's the auditorium from backstage, looking back into the front. And then on the other side, there is the kids' facilities, all those kids' classrooms, uh, which we always joke because you take our vision seriously. You're literally growing new people. And so for all the kids that we have, and this is actually inside the auditorium there, uh, looking into the, the space where we will have services, and that'll be about 500 seats. Uh, And so by God's grace and your generosity, that has been going up. So we want to remind you about that one. If you do give to multiply, please continue to do so because of your generosity. That's happening. But there's been so many people that are new to our church that have never jumped in, especially if you're in Jasper and you haven't jumped in. This is for your space. And for those of us that are in Canton, you need to understand this is still one church. All right. So this is our church being multiplied into a new city. And so that's what that's all about. And so if you want more information about that, there's multiply... Uh, envelopes, kind of information things in the seat back in front of you, or if you're in Jasper, we've got them in the back of the auditorium, all right? So that's what's going on as far as what God is doing to multiply us and what we've been doing to make disciples over the last several months, just preaching through God's word like we've always done, and we're preaching through the letter to the Romans. And so if you've got a Bible, open it up to Romans chapter five. That's where we're gonna be this week. We kicked off chapter five that last week, and we're gonna continue in chapter five this week. We're gonna start in verse 12 and work our way down to verse 19. All right. And so as always, before we jump into the message, let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Father, thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for the fact that you are growing people. We know that it is you who does the making. God, that's just our commission to go and make disciples. but, But really, it's the making is done by you. And we thank you so much that you, for whatever reason, have seen fit to use our church to do that. And so, God, simply we want to multiply that. So thank you for the multiplication that's happening uh, from our Canton uh, and Jasper locations, but also from planting churches in Africa and here locally as well. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to multiply this mission because it's the greatest thing going. It's the greatest thing to give our life to, uh, to see people grow. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to do that. And as we go in your word today, God, we know that's how we grow. It's through the preaching of your word. And so as we open it today, God, I pray that you would open our ears open our eyes to see the truth in it and help us to grow from it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, we're going to start in verse 12. We're going to work our way down to verse 19, but I got I to warn you, not really warn you, but just um, really, ex- this is exciting to me because I nerd out on this stuff like theology, and this is what I do, but not, I don't do it I don't do it because this is my job. I do it because I love it. And so we're going to get into some theology today, and you're going to have to think, all right? You're going to have to hold with me, and I don't know if you're used to thinking at church or not used to thinking at church. I don't know, all right? But I want you to think. We always want you to think. I don't ever want you to check your brain out the door. And so we're going to get into some things today that are really, really amazing, but you're going to have to hang with me as we talk through some deep theological things, but I hope to show it to you why it's so relevant, all right? So let's go verse 12 through verse. 14. And then we'll, we'll stop and talk. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. All right, let's stop and chat here for a little bit. This starts with the word, therefore. Now I told you last week, if you were here, anytime you see the word, therefore, you always ask yourself, what is it? You guys are so smart. See, we're making disciples. All right. You ask, what is it there for? Because it's referring back to something he just said. And what he just said in verses 10 and 11, we hit on quickly last week and on Mother's Day weekend was that we were reconciled with God. We have peace with God now through Christ. And that word reconciliation really, as I said, is at the heart of every mom. It's what moms want to be reconciled. And that was used several times around me by moms this week. Like, we just want peace. We just want reconciliation. And that comes from the heart of God. And so God did what he did in Christ to reconcile us. Now, there was something that I, that I saw this week that I didn't see last week in studying that I wanted to recon, or recognize, I wanted to speak to. That word there, reconciliation, in the Greek is the Greek word ketaloso. Two parts, lasso. One is a preposition, one is the verb. And, and the word there means to, to reconcile or bring back. But what's so amazing, and again, I didn't see this last week, is that is a reference or a wordplay in the Greek to the exact same idea of what happened in the reverse in Romans chapter one, where in Romans chapter one, Paul said that we exchange the glory of God and we worship the creation instead of the creator. Well, that word there exchanged in the Greek is the Greek word metalosso. So in chapter one, we met a lasso, we exchanged, but then in chapter five, God cat a lasso, he exchanged back. And so the idea is on the wordplay is we exchanged it, but then God exchanged it back. And how he exchanged it back was through Christ. And since I'm just redneck enough that when I saw the word a lasso there, I thought of lasso. Now, I don't know if you know what a lasso is. All right, a lasso is a rope, right, that you tie a knot into, and and I thought later I could have illustrated this on the stage, but I'll just let you think that I'm much better than I actually was when I used to try to lasso, but the idea of lassoing is you throw a rope around something, you catch it, and you bring it back, right? You bring it to you. Well, that, even though it's not the same word in English, is what reconcile means, We went far from God, but then in Christ, God brought us close back. Does that make sense? He reconciled. He lassoed us back. And now in verse 12, he's explaining deeper as to why God had to do that. The reason why God had to do that is he says, therefore, because one man's choice messed it all up for all men. One man's choice and that one man Is Adam. He says through his decision, he sinned, and because of sin, death came into the world. And death came into the world and it spread to all men because through him all men sinned. Now, here is what's called the doctrine of original sin. Now, we got to chat about this for a little bit because. Most of us, when we think about this, we don't like the fact that Adam messed it up for all of us. And the Bible says, because of Adam, we are now all in this predicament. And in Adam, we all sinned. But our Western individualistic mind says, well, I wasn't there with Adam. I didn't choose that. Like, that was his decision. Why does that affect me? Because what he says here is Adam is our representation, This is a theological term called federal headship, and the word federal just simply means covenant. It means that we're in a covenant with Adam, and what Adam did, he did for all of us. It's the idea of representation. Now, we get this in the United States because our whole system of government is built upon the idea of representation. It's a government by the people, for the people, of the people. I always get those order wrong, but you know what I'm saying, all right? And the idea is our whole system of government was founded upon the ability for people to govern themselves. However, when you have a government set up like that, you don't have a king. You don't have one person that's just making the decisions. The people are making the decisions. Well, there's over 300 million people in the United States. How do you get all 300 million together to make a decision? Like If we need to go to war, well, let's get all 300 million together and let's decide. No, that's impossible. So we came up with a system called representation. So we have representatives, right? We are the United States, and so that's a federalist system. So each state has a certain number of representatives, two parts, a little bit of political science lesson, right? Each state gets two senators, and then each state gets however many house representatives based upon the population, So what happens is we can't all get together and vote. So we select representatives to go vote for us. So we send them, hey, you're the representatives from Georgia. You're the representatives from Texas. You're the representatives from Florida. Go vote on behalf of us and represent us. That is the idea of what Adam is. Adam is our representative and he voted He made a decision. And he had a decision to make, unlike you and I. See, Adam had, now listen to me, I told you how to think. Adam had the ability to sin or not sin. Therefore, he had the ability to die or not die. You see what I'm saying? He had a choice. And his choice was to sin or not sin, to obey God or not obey God, or to die or not die, and those two obviously are inseparably linked. The The Bible says, God told him, if you choose to disobey, you're choosing death. So Adam chose, and you all know the story, he chose wrongly. He chose to sin. He chose to disobey. He exchanged the glory of the uncreated God for creation and picked that dead gum fruit on the tree, right? But ultimately, he was picking what his woman said, all right? Which gotten a lot of men in trouble over the decades, all right? (laughs) Not saying women, you are wrong. I'm just saying men are easily manipulated, all right? So he chose wrongly. But again, ladies, it wasn't your fault. The Bible doesn't blame you, it blames him. So he chose as our representative. And here's simply all that Paul is saying. Ever since he chose that, death has entered the world. And now, Every other human being after him does not have the choice whether or not to die, right? You don't get to choose that. Now, you can plastic surgery and Botox to death, right? But you're still dying, right? It's not a choice you get to make. Why? Because your representative chose for you. But this is where, again, the individualistic Western mindset says, well, I didn't choose him though. I didn't elect him to be my representative. Yeah, but God did. God chose him to be your representative. And the thought process, which is a fallacy, is what we think, well, I would have chosen differently. Really? Would you have? No, you wouldn't have. You would have chosen exactly like he chose. Why? Because in the heart of every human being is to have what you can't have. Right? To want what you can't have. The worst, if you want your kid to want something, just tell them they can't have it. You can't have vegetables. Watch this. Right? (laughs) Like I know it doesn't work and everything, but you get the point. Adam had the ability to choose something that we just simply don't have. That's why he says here his choice was unlike ours. And then he says those who sin in a different way than he did. His sin had far more consequences in that he chose to sin and therefore he chose to die. So then every human being after him is represented in him in the sense that you don't get to choose whether or not you die. That choice is made for you. Here's another part. You also don't get to choose whether you sin or not. Because the doctrine of original sin says this. In the same way that he disrupted your choice into live or die, he disrupted your choice into sin or not sin. Now you only have the ability to sin. You do not have the ability to to not sin. This is why sinning comes so natural to you, right? Like you didn't have to have, a, your mama or daddy didn't have to have a class to teach you how to sin, did they? They didn't have to teach you how to say the word mine. You came by it naturally because that's what you do, sinners sin. So here's all that Paul's arguing. He's setting you up for the next section. He's saying Adam was our representative and he chose wrongly. And because of his choice, now we no longer get to choose whether we sin or don't sin or die or don't die. Now, everything in you, in your heart can rail against that. Like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that he represents me. And if you did that, you'd be failing to understand the rest of the Bible. Because if you throw out Adam, you have to throw out Christ which is exactly where he goes next. Because he says, Adam is a type of the one who is to come. He's a type. And that word there, type, archetype, foreshadowing, he's a shadow of the substance. Years ago, I did a series called Shadows. It's online. You can go watch it. And and the idea is everybody in the Old Testament is a shadow of the real thing. Christ is the real thing. He is the one who the light is shining on and therefore casts a shadow all throughout human history. So therefore, who Adam was helps you understand who Christ is. Look at where he goes next, verse 15. He says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more. Now, I love those two words. You're going to hear it twice makes for bad English, but it makes for great theology, all right? So I want you to read those two words with me. One, two, three. Much more. Let's try it again in both locations, all right? Much more. If this one was bad, if this one affected humanity, much more, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by that or the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many, Here's what he's saying. What Adam did was bad, but what Jesus did was better. What Adam did affected all humanity, but what Jesus did affected all humanity to benefit humanity. Jesus did something as our new representative that now abounds to us a free gift of grace. He goes on, look at this. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Now, listen to me. I told you, if you throw out Adam as your representative, you can't have Christ as your representative. Here's the issue. Here's how God reconciled. Remember, that's what he's talking about. God reconciled us. When our first representative, Adam, and the word there, Adam, or just Adam, means human. It wasn't just his name. He was the representative of all humanity. The first one had the ability to sin or not sin, die or not die, but he chose to sin, and therefore, death came as a result. But God elected a new representative. See, if you didn't like the fact that God elected Adam on your behalf, then you will not like the fact that God elected Christ on your behalf. So God elects a new representative. He brings about a new human. And this human is like Adam, or better yet, Adam was like this human. What does that mean? Now think with me here. Jesus Christ is the only other human being who, like Adam, had the ability to choose to sin or not sin, to die or not die. Why is that? Because Adam and Christ have God as their father. They're the only ones. They are the only humans throughout human history who had a direct bringing about in the flesh from God the Father. Every other human being is as a result of Adam's sin. So Christ shows up on the scene, and Christ has the ability to choose to sin or not sin, to die or not die. But here's what's crazy. He chose differently. See, the first man chose what would benefit him, and in choosing what would benefit him, he brought death to the rest of us. The first representative acted like a lot of our political representatives act. You know what I'm saying? Like we elect them to represent us. And then as soon as they get to the state capital or the federal capital, they forget about us and make decisions that are best for them, which is what makes us so mad about our representatives because they go in as middle-class people and come out as millionaires, right? Like they make decisions that benefit them. And I'm not making a political statement here, although I just made one, but my point is simply this. I don't really care how you vote. It's a broken system because you've got broken people making decisions. So our hope cannot be in a human government. Our hope has to come from somebody who was like Adam, but who would make a better choice. And this representative, this representative, this was so amazing. This representative, he chose not to benefit himself. See, Adam chose to benefit himself and brought death, but this one chose death to benefit his representatives. One chose himself. He chose sin and brought death. The other one chose to not sin and chose death. And because of that, he purchased grace for the rest of us. Through one man's choice, we're all condemned. Through another man's choice, we can all be made right. And that choice, God credits to us because he is our representative. What that means is simply this, he speaks for us. He speaks for us. And Paul says, how much more so, how much more so Does he speak for us when he chose rightly, when he chose death, and what we get in return is life? We get grace. And I love this phrase here when he says an abundance of grace. How many here are happy for an abundance of grace? Notice he didn't say for a little bit of grace or just even grace. The title of today's message is An Abundance of Grace. You wanna know why I am so thankful for an abundance of grace? Because Homeboy right here has got an abundance of sin. And we'll get into this more next week, but he says in verse 20 and 21, he says, Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. You wanna know something? You cannot outsin grace. You wanna know why you can't outsin grace? is because the penalty of your sin has already been paid for by Christ. And so if the penalty of sin has already been paid for, that's past, present, and future. And so therefore, when you sin and you confess that sin to God, God says, what sin? All I see is the perfect righteousness of your representative, Jesus Christ. That's all I see. All I see is what he earned for you. All I see is the grace that he purchased for you. And that is a free gift. You've been made righteous with God. And so therefore, I just think that Paul gets all excited up in here. Look at verse 16 or 17. He says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will th- there it is again. Let's try it again. Much more, one more time. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Look at what he's saying here. Your first representative failed you, but your second representative fulfilled it. Your first representative disobeyed and brought death. Your your second representative, or the last Adam, didn't sin, but died in your place. So he took your sin and he gave you what he earned, which was his righteousness. So now when God sees you, you're righteous. So therefore, death no longer reigns in your life. See, death is a result of that one man's sin. But notice, see, Paul's contrasting here. Notice he's contrasting Adam to Christ. And then he's contrasting death, death reigns. And then you would expect him to say, Life reigns, but that's not what he says. He says, through abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, those who receive that reign. So life is not reigning, we are. Now, this is kind of a foreign concept to most Christians because of this. We typically think that grace is simply something that God did to forgive our sins. Now, I'm not saying it's not that, I'm just saying it's not only that. You wonder how we know this, you can write this down as a reference Titus 2. Titus 2 is verse 10 or 11, I can't remember. But Paul says to Titus, he says, Now the grace of God has appeared, saving us from our sins and training us to deny unrighteousness. And I love how the NIV says it, uh, helping us to say no to sin. So here's what grace does. Grace doesn't just free you from the penalty of sin. Grace now gives you power over sin. It's this is what, the good news is far gooder than you thought. Again, bad English, great theology. See, we just think of grace as simply past tense. We don't see it as present reality, but that's not how Paul argues here. Paul says, now because of your representative Christ, you can reign in life. You wanna know what that means? Now listen to this. Before Jesus, you only had the ability to sin. You only had the ability to die. You did not have the ability to not sin and you did not have the ability to not die. You weren't like Adam, you weren't like Jesus. But now Jesus represents you So what's true of him is now true of you. You wanna know what that means? Now, by the grace of God, you have the power to not sin. And one day, check this out. One day, when Christ returns, you will have the power to not die. Right now, you have the power to not sin. But when he returns and reconciles completely, you will have the power to not die. Said it another way, in heaven, you will be unable to sin and you will be unable to die. You will be greater than what Adam was. See, Adam had the ability still to sin, the ability to die. But now because of Christ, one day you and I will no longer have the ability to sin and we will no longer have the ability to die. And that's true of you now in one sense because of Christ by grace. So here's what that means. By grace now, you have the power to not sin. You are no longer what the Bible says a slave to sin. You still have a sinful nature? Yes, but now by the grace of God that's poured out to you on a daily basis, you have the power to say no to that sin in a way that you never had without Christ. How do you now have the power to say no to sin? Because Christ said no to sin. And the power that made him say no to sin is now available to you. And you can access that power by grace and therefore you can reign in this life. When you are tempted to sin by grace, you can say no. And when you look at death by grace, you can say you don't have the last word. Sin, you don't own me. Death, you don't rule me. You have that now. I have that. Sin, you don't own me. Death, you don't reign over me. I don't know about you, but I, I mean, this is my third sermon of the day, but man, I get fired up about this. You want to know why? Because for so long in my life, I felt as though sin did own me. Even when I wanted to do right, I couldn't because I didn't have the power to. But now because of Christ acting as my representative, what he had, now I have, I now have the power to say no. I now, by grace, can have power over sin. See, here's the gospel. The gospel is simply this. Christ freed us from the penalty of sin. He is freeing us from the power of sin. And one day he will free us from the very presence of sin. So right now, by Christ, I have the ability to not sin, and one day when he returns, I will have the ability to not die. Now, what do you do with somebody who's not a victim and who's not afraid to die? How does that person live in the world? You think that person lives a little bit differently than most people? Yeah. This is why... The people didn't know what to do with Paul. They're like, we're going to kill you. And he's like, to die is gain. We're going to throw you in prison. To suffer is with Christ. You can't touch a man like that. He ain't afraid of dying, and he for sure ain't afraid of suffering. Why? Because although he might be in prison, he ain't in prison in here. You can change my body. You can't change my soul. Come on now. I'm preaching up in here. You... You can enslave me physically, but you can't enslave me spiritually. My God can beat up your God. My God is more powerful than your God. My God is more powerful than sin and death. How do I know that? Because Christ beat it all. And if I'm in him, then he is my representative. And what's true about him is true about me. Last two verses, look at 18 and 19. Therefore, as one trespass, therefore, you know, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. That word there, made, means to designate. Adam, in Adam, we're all designated sinners. Because we were in him. He was our representative. But now in Christ, we're all designated righteous. We're designated were marked, we have a new representative. And this representative did what no other human representative would have ever done. Chose the penalty for something they didn't do to benefit those who did do it. We can't even get our politicians to admit what they did do, much less admit something that they didn't do as though they did. If you're in Christ, that's your representative. That's who's gonna speak for you. So the question is simply this, who's your representative? And again, it's right at this point where the natural mind says, I'll represent myself. I mean, you're making me choose between Adam and Jesus. There's a third choice, me. You know what I would say to that? That's exactly what Adam would say. Because that's exactly what Adam did say. So at the end of the day, Either death reigns or you reign in life through Christ. I don't know about you. That feels like a real easy decision to me. So who's your representative? Let's pray. Father, thank you Those two words don't even seem adequate because we're saying thank you for not leaving us with a bad representative. You sent Christ. And even though Adam's sin was imputed to us, it's credited to us. Now because of Christ, his righteousness is imputed to us. It's credited to us. There's no good news like this. So God, thank you that you didn't leave us alone. But right back in Genesis 3, right after sin and death entered the world, you made a promise. You pronounced the gospel when you said the seed of a woman would come. And he did. In the likeness of human flesh, but the only other human being who has you as his father, who had the ability to sin or not sin, to die or not die, but he didn't choose what benefited himself. He chose what would benefit us. Because left to ourselves, God, we would never choose you. But thank you that you elected Christ to come to redeem us, to reconcile us. And in your grace, if we respond in faith, we will receive that reconciliation. So God, I pray right now for everybody listening that you would allow them to choose rightly open their eyes to see the truth about who Jesus is so that they can elect him as their new representative so that his blood could speak better words about them and make them right with you. Nobody looking around or talking here as we close as always, if you've never responded in faith to the truth about who you are and who Jesus is. Today, if God has opened your eyes to see that, you can respond in faith and you'll be saved and you will be made right with God. But not only that, you will receive an ever-flowing stream of grace to you to give you power over sin. Now by Christ, you will have the ability to not sin. And one day by Christ, you'll have the ability to not die. So if you wanna trust him right there where you are, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer of confession. You can pray with me, not out loud. And it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me, that you sent Jesus in my place for my sin. I admit my sin, but I receive your grace. I'm trusting in Christ to take my place. And in faith, I receive your grace. Save me, forgive me. Give me power now over sin. Again, nobody looking around or talking, but if you just prayed that with me, very simply, right there where you are, we love to celebrate with you. Would you just lift your hand up so we can see that? If Christ became your representative today, just lift it up, thank you. Don't be ashamed, man. This is the best news ever. God now is your representative. So if you trusted him today, just lift your hand up. We got men and women going to walk around and put a gift in your hand, and when they do, you can put it down. And then those of us who like myself, and I say this every week, but it always bears to be repeated. The grace of God didn't just save you from the penalty of your sin. It is right now saving you from the power of sin. And so if you're like me and you still struggle with sin The goal today is not for you to leave here guilted. Not for you to leave here feeling condemned. Yes, you've sinned. But yes, Christ has paid for that. And yes, he will give you power over it. He will give you more grace. He is not running out anytime soon, I promise you. And so if you're just wrestling with the power of sin in your life today, just be honest and ask God right there, God, would you give me more grace? God has never asked you to do something that he wasn't intent on making it happen in you. He will give the grace to obey the command. So receive that today. Father, thank you. There is no love like this. There's no story like this. There is no representative like this. And I know there's a lot of people today who just don't believe, but God, the reason how we know for sure rock solid is because Jesus came back. He's alive right now and he's interceding for us right now. So thank you for that gospel. There's no story like it. And Father, I pray that you would build our church on the truth of it. You would build us up in your grace and then you would send us out to share it with others. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.